All right, let's do it. Hey, y'all, I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau Insurance across the great state of Mississippi. They are your hometown heroes at Farm Bureau. Hit them up, give them a chance if you haven't already. Favorites.com, that ought to get you over to find out like who's in your area, but you're going to know who they are because they're there in your home community. Hometown folks live right down the road from you. That's kind of how it works. So give them an opportunity. A lot to get to. Look, hour one's fun. We get on the couple days here, the subject of broadcasters. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, Cowbell texted the show on the country pleasing text line. Y'all, this is a great um, uh, text because it sends me down memory lane, I guess, for you two. Well, let's, let's entertain ourselves with that just a minute. His question was, hey, Matt, since we're on the subject, what's your favorite Jack Crystal call? Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. There's a bunch of those. It's a bunch of those. What do you think? All right, y'all text me on the country, please, and text line. It's 885-ESPN. 601 number, 885-ESPN. Text the show. If you need the number, it's 885-3776. Call me. Love to hear your voice. Call me up. Let's talk on the Divinity Equipment phone line. It's 995-1059. Easy to remember, right? Like we broadcast on 105.9 The Zone live in Jackson every day. So 995-1059-601 number. Call me on the Divinity phone. Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. I was talking earlier today with uh, Jonathan McMillan from uh, Divinity up on Highway 51 in Madison. We were talking about dove hunting. He actually invited me to a dove hunt. I said, I, I don't shoot doves. I shoot at them. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. I said, if one flies over and I don't get three shots off, I feel like a failure. So I'm the kind of customer you want if you're selling shotgun shells, okay? I use a lot of them. <laughs> it ain't target practice for me. It's it's a shoulder workout. That's what dove hunting is for me. <laughs> but I sure enjoy it. So feel free to invite me. All right, here we go to Cowbell's question. Hey, Matt, since we are on the subject, what's your favorite Jack Crystal call? Well... I would probably put them in this order. My favorite calls from Jack Crystal. Number one, Jackson, Mississippi, 1980, Alabama in town. 40 seconds to play. Jacobs says he can't hear. Officials are not calling anything yet. Jacobs up underneath. Long snap count. Jacobs wants to throw. Under pressure. Fires in the middle. Pass caught at the five. Knocked down at the four. Alabama's receiver knocked down at the four-yard line. And that was Prout, the tight end. First and four and goal to go for Alabama. They've stopped the clock with 25 seconds. Alabama gets on the goal line with 22 seconds. Wishbone offense. No timeouts for Alabama. Jacobs says he cannot hear. Jacobs goes up underneath. Jacobs, long snap count, goes to the fullback. Fumble! Fumbles the ball. Bulldogs recover! Bulldogs recover! Bulldogs recover! With six seconds, the Bulldogs recover. Woo! How about that? That might be epic. (laughs) (laughs) You got me. You got me. Well, I was talking about radio shows. You're right, though. (laughs) That That one just might be epic right there. That'd be my number one favorite Jack Crystal call. 
selfishly, uh, number two would probably be the field goal in the Egg Bowl uh, with my buddy, my buddies. Um, Paul Mooney on the snap, Rob Morgan on the hold, and Scott Westerfield with the kick to win the 99 Egg Bowl. Rob Morgan will hold at the 33. Scott Westerfield will try to win this football game for Mississippi State. We'll wait the snap back. Crowd gets quiet. It's put down. The kick is away. It's long enough. It's high enough. Wrap it in maroon and white. Wrap it in maroon and white. Bulldogs go out in front, 23 to 20. Four seconds left in this ball game. Mississippi State's going to get a celebration penalty. They Pe- sure are, Jack. People are running all over the football field. And then, you know, selfishly number three, I really like his call of um, the play that I have in the opening of the show. You know, it's really kind of the one high moment for me in my playing career. But that day, it was a heck of a call at the end of the ballgame. We beat Auburn over there that same year. 25 seconds left to play. Bulldogs have two more shots at the end zone if they don't lose possession on third down. They're at the 11-yard line. This crowd is alive. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Auburn in a four-man front. Wyatt gets the ball. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Matthew Butler, Jack. What a catch. I thought that was going to be intercepted. The defender for Auburn jumped in front of Butler and went through his arms, and Butler gets it, John Carrero. Steve, you're exactly right. We got a you know, penalty for, you know, celebration. Who gives a flip? But, you know, I don't know how Matt Butler caught that football because, as you said, the Auburn defender was right there, and he just kept good, great concentration and held on to the football. Now, the old uh, Mr. Carrero, John Carrero. He was out of breath. He sure was. He's down there in the middle of all of it. <laughs> oh, I used to love to listen. And we're going to get a celebration penalty, but who gives a flip? <clears throat> I love it. Favorite calls. Man, that, that 1980 Bama call. It's kind of Jack in his heyday. That's young Jack, you know, in his heyday. Those are awesome. Cowbell, thanks for your question. Appreciate that. Fun to go back and relive those. Coffee Norman on the Country Pleasing text line says, Matt, see if you can get McElroy on the show to talk about this game versus Cam and Auburn. It was incredible, and Cam did most of it from the pocket. It's up there for me and defined Cam as a real passer for me. And, you know, I th- I agree with that. We were talking about, again, what Newton did at, in, the, in the second half of that Iron Bowl in 2010 in Tuscaloosa, a top-10 Alabama team. Bama takes a 24 to nothing lead, and he throws them back into the ballgame. You know, and he did have the one touchdown run, and he didn't have a lot of rush yards. He ran the ball 22 times for 39 yards. And you go, well, okay, Matt, he only throws for 216 yards, you know, in that ballgame. That's right. He, he didn't go out there and light them up for like 400 yards, but nobody was lighting at those Alabama teams up under Saban for, for 400 yards. But he completed 65%, 13 throws that are completed, three of them are completed in the end zone. And there was one big play in there, obviously the 70-yard play, and what a great call from Rod Bramble. Four receivers to the side. Newton steps forward. He's going to throw deep. He's got a man down there. It is cut! Touchdown, Auburn! Emory Blake! 36 yards! He bobbled it as he crossed the goal line, but he held on, and the Tigers are on the board. What a play call yeah. right there, and what a play-action fake. What a call. Clay, 
speaking of calls, is on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment, Madison, and in Jackson. What's up, Clay? Oh, man, you're making me sad today, Matt. Yeah, Playing on the good old Jack Crystal Clips. Nobody says two backs alongside anymore. <laughs> and nobody says the crowd is alive. I mean, and listening to it, thinking back when I was a kid, I know you probably didn't get Man, when I was a kid, it didn't matter where they were at. He would, before the game, he would describe the, the setting mm. left to right, the pinstripe down the middle of the uniform. He'd close your eyes and listen to Jack and be like, oh, I'm here. I'm there. Yeah. And, I mean, it was great. But, you know, you cannot leave out the sonic play of the game. It's my <laughs> ride back to the low. I mean, come on. That's, <clears throat> that's the greatest. I mean, I just, I was like, oh, my God. 2000 and, 2003, uh, Alabama in Starkville. I went and watched yeah, that game. Right. You know, I graduated. I went and watched that game. And it was the least competitive SEC game I might have ever seen. <laughs> I, I'm not a I'm not, I'm not a hater of anybody, yeah. but ever since Jack started stepping back, man, even when he did baseball, he, uh, I mean, he was always so fun to listen to. Yeah. And, and TV's made it worse. I don't listen to y'all anymore, but, yeah. I mean, I quit listening when Jack was gone because it wasn't the same to me for a long time. 2000, but, uh, uh, the 2000 and, let me get this right. I think it was like the, maybe the 2003 Egg Bowl was where Jack had the line. Receiver and quarterback not on the same page there, but hey, it's only week eleven. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I mean, he's, he's just—I mean, you go back and listen. There's, there's a friend of mine, Todd Stennis, lives down the coast. He's part of the Stennis family. He has a recording, and I have to ask Todd when it is, and I, I'll get it to you so you can play it. Okay. And it was back in in the yonder days. Jack has—I'm uh, making these numbers up, so I don't remember the numbers. Jack had 34 with the ball, and he realizes that 34 is, doesn't have the ball. 44 does, so he laterals it mm-hmm. to 44 before he gets knocked out of bounds. But I'm going <laughs> to find that. I'm going to try to find that and send it to me. He has everything <laughs> in an great. archive in his house. That but Jack's is... like, oh, well, 34 with the ball. He laterals it to 44. <laughs> but, uh, he was old guys. I mean, again, no offense to you and Colin Gaines. Those old guys, man. They just, yeah, that's right. It's they different. can't be replaced. So the guy from Georgia, what was his name? Larry Munson. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, oh you know gosh, that, what's so interesting too. Um, I think this is a commentary on what one of the ingredients you have to have to become successful in this kind of thing, Clay. You know, back back hold on, then, hold on. radio was Clay. Clay yeah. Listen, Larry Munson, Georgia. He was iconic with an entirely different style than Jack Crystal. Larry Munson would say, "We." did this and we're going to do that. And we, we yeah. hit him and we punched him in the nose and we stepped on their face with a hobnail boot. And, and I'm, I'm hey. this. And I, Jack wouldn't, Jack never did that kind of stuff. He never used the following words in a broadcast. We, us, yeah. me, I, or my, and we're totally different. But, yeah. but those guys were unique in that they were totally uh, genuine to to their style, to the way they wanted to do it, and they stuck with it, and it worked. Well, you know, and and back then, radio was TV. I mean, in the That's old it, days yeah. when those guys started, because most right. games weren't on there, and they were they learned how to give so much color detail that those guys did. Again, no offense to the job y'all do, but they just they just would lay it out for you. You close your eyes, 
and you're there. Well, you know? and you're exactly you know? right. And I think those guys in that era, Clay, were they had come up with radio. They were not really influenced by the the mindset or the idea that people could see the game. They weren't even influenced by it. You know what I mean? Like what I mean by that is yeah. Jack, everything Jack ever said on the radio, he understood there's a man sitting here listening to this in Greenwood who cannot see what I see. I must tell him what to see. And he's familiar with radio from that perspective. And in the modern era, you know, I would say that all of us that are in broadcasting in some shape, form, or fashion are probably affected in a little bit of a way of knowing that, hey, half of our audience is listening to us right now. They're watching the game also. That's right. Because I used to, when even when Jack was on, I would turn the TV down. I'd mute the TV and play Jack over my speakers in my game room because mm-hmm. I wanted to hear what Jack had to say. The biggest problem there was always the delay, but I didn't care. I yeah, wanted right. to hear Jack, and right. I could see it on yeah. TV. Sure. Anyway, all right, stuff, man. Clay. thanks for playing those. Yeah, man, Bye. appreciate you. Great call. Always enjoy hearing from you. We got Chris hanging on the Divinity phone. What's up, Chris? How you doing? Just hey, right. um, was Jack was Jack still there when Ashley Johnson um made that interception? Oh yeah, uh, you, you're talking about um it wasn't Ashley, but you're talking about against it, Alabama in 07? It wasn't I thought it was Ashley Johnson. Well, well, hold on. What I'm telling you is, okay, the guy's name was Johnson, who had that interception okay. return. Okay. But okay. It, his first okay. name was, I, his I first name was not Ashley. His first name was something different. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, what about the? See, can you find the one where the the ball got blown back? You know, let's see. I might be able to track that down. I'll try to anyway. Yeah. The um, I've it, never it, I've never heard that one. But I know that that night that I, that the Johnson kid had made that interception. It was Anthony. That's what it was. It was it, Anthony, Anthony Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. Right. Right. Anthony. We had an Ashley Cooper. That's right. On that same team. That's where I mixed them up. But Anthony Johnson made that interception. I was listening, and that just hearing Jack's call of that was like sent chills up my spine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd love to go back. That was 2007. Ashley Cooper was a few years before him. That we did have an Ashley Cooper, just not on the same team. Chris, appreciate your call, right. man. Thank you. Have a have a good one, Joey. You're up next on the Divinity Equipment phone line. What's up, Joey? Hey, man, that '99 game that you just played the call up. Yeah, the, that was the bowl? cool. That, yeah, I was I was in six pockets on Beach Boulevard in Jacksonville, Florida, watching that one. The the first Thanksgiving episode. Well, the first Thanksgiving night. It's been a way. Uh, from my Mississippi family, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it was pretty neat because uh, you know I've, I've been a Florida fan a long time, but I, obviously I loved Mississippi State University as a school and, and that type of thing. So I, they there were some Florida fans there who were still a little salty about the '93 beatdown when Sleepy Robinson got hurt, if oh, you yeah. remember. <laughs> so they were kind of old Miss fans and, and and were just having having fun. They anytime State lost, they were still a little happy about it. Florida fans take a long time to get over anything. <laughs> uh, they really do. They, 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 you know, I mean, I'm gonna make some folks mad. And, yeah. and if they don't, I don't do it either. So it's okay. So mm-hmm. the rest of the fan base, if the shoe don't fit, if you're not one of those people, don't put it on. 
Well, Florida fans whine a little bit. He ain't fighting like that. <laughs> um, I'd say that's probably like true said, for any if fan base. Don't, if that shoe don't fit your foot, don't put it on. Yeah, and was right. that an Auburn guy complaining about officiating? Oh, yeah, Stan White played quarterback there, was a starter for four years in, in the early 90s for Pat Dye, and heck of a player, great guy. And he's the color announcer hey. on the Auburn call. Yeah, and he gets on those officials pretty often. Look, hey, I'm not, I, I, I'm not knocking Stan White in any kind of way. We all complain. We all get salty about oh, officiating sure. yeah, from time right. to time, Matt. I, I remember that Alabama game a couple of years ago. <laughs> you were really upset, and rightly so. Uh, well. Rightly so, because I was watching to the TV and, and actually had it turned down listening to you on the radio, and you were right. Yeah. Um, but an Auburn fan complaining about bad officiating <laughs> is tantamount to Warren Buffett complaining about not getting a tax break. <laughs> Y'all have a good day. Appreciate the call, Joey. We've got Warren Buffett in the show today, man. We are making <clears throat> the rounds. I got a tweet over here from Blake, our old buddy Blake, from the Out of Bounds show in the mornings on 105.9 The Zone with Bo Bounds. Blake said, Matt, uh, the best radio football call from Jack for me was Norwood's touchdown run, Jarius Norwood's touchdown run against Florida in 2004 to seal the game. Second and eight for the Bulldogs from the 37-yard line. Pressure's on. Bulldogs give it to Norwood, who breaks it inside the 30 to the 25 to the 20. He's racing to the 10 to the 5. Touchdown, Norwood! Unbelievable. There's a flag down in the end zone. If they call a celebration penalty on this, I'll shoot him. And <laughs> a boy. Man, and he, and he and those guys, he and Jim and... And John Carrero, he and Jim Ellis and John Carrero. Great uh, crew. Thanks for the tweet, Blake, very much. Tony Joe, country pleasing sausage on grocery store shelves throughout the Southeast. It is the best sausage, hands down, period, end of story. It's made from hand-picked hams and bacons and pork loins and none of that junk. No parts go into the making of it. That's why it tastes so good. Check it out. Country pleasing sausage. Country pleasing. uh, No G. Dot com. Tony Joe says on the country pleasing text line, Matt, first of all, I'm not defending Tom Brenneman's slur. It was careless, and you're right. Every mic is hot. But how does the political correctness, police, and the liberal prosecutors in our culture and the morally high and mighty judges who can judge at anything, and there is to be no statute of limitations, completely ignore the gross and frequent use of misogynistic and racial language in rap music? That is a long and deep and I think good question. Fletch on the country pleasing text line says, Matt, you mentioned the passing of Auburn's play-by-play guy. Didn't the fullback involved in one of the last scoring plays also get killed in an automobile wreck? Something that sounds like, yeah, it's Lutzenkirchen. Uh, Philip Lutzenkirchen. That's right. He, um, that's it. it. He, a couple of years after his Auburn playing career was over, he, um, was involved in a truck crash that took his life. Young guy. That's right. So it really is sad. You look back, the, the play that actually put them over the top, they were down 27-21 in the fourth quarter, completed the comeback when Cam Newton hit Philip Lutzenkirchen for the touchdown, and Rod Bramlett, who uh, also in heaven as we speak, uh, on the call that day. Cam takes the snap, looking for 
the receiver. He's got Lutz and Kirkin. Touchdown, Auburn! Touchdown, Auburn! Lutz and Kirkin. He threw it back across the field. Seven-yard play. Touchdown, Tigers! We're tied at 27. Lutz and Kirkin. Okay, it's a mispronunciation on my part. Three-hump camel. Been a while since I heard from you on the uh, country pleasing text. He says, first time I dove hunted, I killed the first one I shot at. And I was thinking, this is easy. Then, four boxes of shells later, it only killed um, what one more the rest of the day? <laughs> Been there. Been there. Yeah, guys like you and me, Camel, we don't need the automatic. We need one of those. That maybe you have to, you know, the pump, <laughs> 12 gauge. You don't want that barrel getting too hot, do you? No. <laughs> they, you know, they want to slow Rapid us down. Fire. Yeah, they need to put a restrictor plate on our gun. Make <laughs> us have to pump it or something. All right. Jason in Flagstaff says, my favorite Uncle Jack call was that third and forever play versus Oklahoma State that went for a touchdown. Uncle Jim says, not many plays for third and Tupelo. <laughs> play uh, runs and scores, and Uncle Jack doesn't miss a beat and goes, there's a new play in the playbook for third and Tupelo. A lot of classic ones. And I love it how, you know, y'all remember stuff that not only do I not remember, I probably never knew in the first place. Everybody has a Jack memory. Today is National Radio Day. Hence some of the roads that we've gone down on the show so far. I didn't even know that when we started the show. But Caleb, who listens and was watching on Periscope, alerted me to that. August the 20th, National Radio Day. What do you want to talk about next? We'll find out. Stick around. Back with you on the show. In just a second here, I'm going to let you hear what some players at Ole Miss and Mississippi State said over the last couple of days. Uh, really yesterday, let you hear just a comment or two in the Zoom press conferences with the Ole Miss quarterbacks, uh, John Rice Plumley and Matt Corral. Uh, and Errol Thompson, the defensive leader, team leader at Mississippi State, middle linebacker. Some of the things he said about you know encouraging other players to stay stay safe, stay in safe situations outside of the team facility so they don't bring the virus back in there and have some kind of problem. And then talked about the new defensive coordinator, all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to let you hear that from players. Uh, a couple of notes, and then I want to get into your text so I don't miss those. And Oh, and also a reminder, we have the countdown of 100 teams coming up. We've got two teams today, 16 and 17, on the countdown of 100 college football teams leading up to the start of the season. And we'll have team number 16 coming up later here in hour number two. We'll get team 17 later in hour number three. So a long way to go with you here today. Uh, I was looking at this. I touched on this the other day. It came out in The Athletic. Uh, Outkick.com, expounding on it just a little bit. The troubling statistics regarding NBA viewership. Now, I would say when you consume this, Probably the smart thing to do, too, is also consume these numbers and think about what's going on with NBA television viewership against the backdrop that this particular season is unlike any other ever in a bubble. Fans aren't there. They're playing on the same floor and uh, shortened season in the middle of a pandemic, that whole thing. But 
since 2011 and 12 that season the NBA on NB I'm sorry on ABC their premium partner ABC ratings are down 45%. That is nearly half of what they were in 2011 and 12. 45% that is just plummeting ratings. It's almost unheard of. There's at one point in this OutKick article where they point out that it's the kind of thing that happens to sitcoms right before they cancel them. I mean, I'm not I'm not kidding you. Whether it's big market radio, local radio, television, sitcoms, you know, anything. A 45% drop in viewership is drastic. It's very rare. That's just the truth. In terms of live sports on television, it's one of a kind. That's the one thing in all of this that nobody is pointing out for some reason. And I guess it's because maybe they just haven't gone back and and traced all of this, you know, because it would take a lot of legwork and research. But I can guarantee you, in the history of live televised sporting events, professional and college, no league within inside within a decade has experienced a 45% drop. It is one of a kind. They had a lockout season in 2011-12. That year, ABC drew 5.4 million viewers on average. This year it's at 2.95, half. Now again, pandemic, bubble, lockout, I mean uh, no fans, all that kind of stuff rapidly declining rate. It's incredible. Uh, On TNT, viewership down 40%. In the same time, viewership fell 20% on ESPN. Even in local markets, to all the NBA teams, local markets, viewership down, 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 down. I don't know what the reason is for that sharp of a drop. I just know no, they, they hadn't seen anything like it. They have an issue. They'll figure it out. They're not going anywhere. They're not a sitcom. They're not going to cancel it. But And ultimately, they'll figure it out. But they got a problem on their hands right now. I know that. Jonathan says on the Country Pleasing text line, you could make a top 100 list of Jack Crystal calls, but the one that wraps uh, him up to me was The drive of the day will be my drive back to Tupelo. Grumpy said, Matt, all I can say is those were the days. That's from Grumpy. Thanks to Anthony and Squez. Y'all reminded us that was Anthony Johnson, 2007, with the uh, pick six, 100 yards against Alabama um, in Starkville. Yeah, I'd like to go back and and hear that. And then um, is it Bass Dog or Bass Dog? Spelled the same. Well, we'll, since I like fishing, we'll go with Bass Dog. He says, my second year at State was the year Jack passed away. After having grown up listening to every football and basketball and baseball game with Jack, I can remember Hale State Productions putting out a video that brought me to tears. Incredible announcer and man. He did do some baseball initially, didn't he? Or, or like one or two seasons he jumped in there and did no, some baseball? No, no, no. He, he did, when I was in school, he, did, uh, he and Jim Ellis had the broadcast. So they both was- did baseball. <laughs> Yeah, that was early to mid-80s. Okay. I finished in spring of 85. Okay. That's cool. Long time ago. 
that ain't that long ago. Don't beat yourself up. No, but I tell you what, <laughs> I, I had some great times. You know, I mean, I shared with you one time where I sat around with Benny and Bob Boyd and Jack mm-hmm. Crystal in the hotel lobby, and we talked, listened to them tell stories for hours. Sure. But, they could uh, tell them. They could tell genuine, them. Genuine as a man as I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You didn't have to w- wonder what he was thinking, ever, for sure. He was always great to me. I know that. He was accommodating and nice. Let me tell you a funny story real quick about Jack, uh, JB. Absolutely. I had moved, you know, finished my career playing, and then I lived in Germany for a year, played a little football over there, and had moved to Tupelo. So I'm basically two years removed from school or going on it. And moved to Tupelo. Got my first job at the TV station. And one day, I I remember one day I just was thinking about the whole radio thing. And somebody mentioned it to me. And maybe even, it might have been they asked me to call some games. But anyway, I thought, well, I'm just, you know what? I'm going to call Mr. Crystal. I know he's here. I could go to his house. I'm just going to call him, though. And we're talking 2001. I picked up a phone book, found his number, called him, told him who I was. He's like, hey, yeah, good to hear from you. How are you doing? I said, I'm fine. So I got a question. You know, I'm thinking about, the radio thing, and if, if you had some advice as far as, like, where to start, I don't know the business. I don't know if I should just knock on a door or what. What would you tell me? And he gave me a few pieces of advice, and in there he said, you know, most guys, Matt, who wind up doing broadcasting games, most of them start in high school. They start with a high school team and a high school broadcast, and he said, you know, you might find an opportunity like that around here to kind of get in the door. And then he said, he goes, you know, Tupelo High School, they, their games are on the radio over here on such and such day. He goes, and, but they got a guy doing the games for them, and he's just awful. <laughs> okay. I said, really? He goes, yeah, he's terrible. He's, He said, I don't know. He's been doing it a while, but they might let you do those. This is... I thought, okay, all right. Well, come to find out, he told me that on purpose because the guy doing the Tupelo games was his best friend, and he was basically joking around. (laughs) The guy that uh, was doing the games was a guy named Bill Cossett, who he and Jack were best friends and did a show, like a talk show together once a week, and very intentionally to just mess with him and and kind of messing with me. He's he's awful, and it didn't take me about a week to figure out he and he and Jack are big buddies. <laughs> That's why he said that. And Jack had a great sense of humor. Sure did. All right. Um, what did they say? I think I've got time here. John Rice Plumley. He got a question at Ole Miss uh, from Parrish Alford. Are they going to throw the ball more? Are they working more in the pass game? Do you find that you are repping the passing game more right now? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think everybody's really excited about it, you know, to get a little bit more variety, you know, to the offense. Um, I feel like last year sometimes we can we could have, we could be one-dimensional, but um, I think this, this uh, upcoming year that we are going to turn some heads for sure. I found this interesting. Had a press opportunity with, with uh, Matt Corral yesterday at Ole Miss, and he talked about why he decided to come back, not transfer out to go somewhere else. I was never going to leave. Um, I mean, Kiffin, Kiffin was a big, you know, cherry on top for me personally. 
but uh, as far as like transferring, was it ever in my mind? Of course, it was in my mind, but you know, I didn't want to have to deal with all that extra stuff and everything that came with that. And like, I like I knew what I had in front of me. I know what I could do better, and I like um, I knew what I where I went wrong last year. I was not ever gonna leave. Never considered it. Matt Corral never considered it. Here's Errol Thompson, linebacker, Mississippi State, on the new defensive coordinator and that guys around him, new guys at the linebacker group. Um, it's been it's been pretty different, but I mean, Coach Arnett. I mean, of course, he's 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 not just a guy that's gonna come in and just kind of try to just do his own thing. I mean, he's taking you know things from last year and implementing it into his new scheme as well. You know, but he's also doing a great job of putting guys in the right position to make plays. You know, within his scheme. But I feel like um, it's, it's been pretty cool to it's been. It's been pretty cool to learn and um, picking up on it pretty, you know, pretty good, right? Quick follow-up. Likes him. Full of energy. 3-3-5 mostly. Use a few more defensive ends. A few less defensive tackles. going to be interesting. We'll come back to some more of that. Comments from Matt Corral, Errol Thompson. We'll do that in hour number three because I want you to hear that stuff. Coming up next... Let's look at, uh, why don't we, let's look at team number 16 on the countdown of 100 teams. That's coming up next in the Farm Bureau Studio. Stick around. All right, back. Back with you here in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau. Farm Bureau Insurance. Go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance. In all 82 counties around the state of Mississippi, you go to anywhere, you can find a local agent. That's what you want. Listen, you know, somebody to deal with, and they've done a great job of hiring people in all 82 counties in Mississippi, and you have a local agent who lives right there in town with you, you see them all over the place, you know, you're going to do right by them, and they're going to do right by you. That's what you want. That's what you get with Farm Bureau. Amen. Amen. Okay. Real quick, uh, a few texts here I want to get to. I don't want to leave you hanging. Thanks for all your texts. I really do appreciate it. I like hearing you uh, from you on the text line. I got one caller I want to get in a conversation with about Jack Crystal. Um, and then we'll do the countdown. Eric said, the real Eric said, Matt, you know why the ratings are down in the NBA? The NBA has become so political. That's why. Well, and look, I mean, they're down 50% or going on it, 45% drop. And, you know, some people like yourself may look at it and very simply on the surface go, well, look, okay, politics, it's kind of a, you're drawing a line. And if you side with one side or the other, then on one side of the line, they love you, but on the other side, you lose all those, <laughs> right? Maybe it is that simple. I don't know. Uh, but Flowtown Ghosts also thought, you know, the kneeling and different things, maybe. But the NBA, I'm not sure, has been any different than any of the other leagues in that regard. Have they? I don't think so. Gator Nation said, Matt, I'm going to be honest with you. Here's the deal. We have had to play a doubleheader two of the last three days. Now, if it's a rain out, I understand, but because the Cardinals were wearing their masks, going to the clubs all night to be around the, oh, come on now. He says he go, they wear their mask and go out to clubs and they're around strippers. Is that what you're saying, Gator Nation? I mean, look, 
I started reading it. I should have previewed it because it doesn't make any sense. All right, here we go. Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment, Madison and in Jackson. Fletch, thanks for calling. What's up? Good afternoon, fellas. Hey, I know you and JB are just just waiting with bated breath on an Ole Miss guy uh, to talk about their crystal uh, <laughs> um, favorite call. Yeah. Um, and I will, but and it doesn't include um, um, an egg bowl loss or maybe a loss to Maine. Um, <laughs> no. But when when one of my twenty somethings was playing soccer, so that puts it Y two K ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I appreciated Jack, and so I was listening while they were playing soccer. Soccer's that challenging. Um, that uh, I think st- uh, State was in Baton Rouge, and they had a lightning storm. Mm-hmm. So the game was halted, and then they started emptying the stands. So. One of my favorite play-by-plays is Jack doing a play-by-play of the band leaving <laughs> Tiger Stadium. <laughs> and and he says <clears throat> something along the line of, my goodness, I would hate to be holding one of those big tubas during a lightning storm. And then, um, <laughs> what's his fate? The color guy said, yeah, maybe, maybe a trumpet. And Jack said, I think I'd prefer to have a piccolo. Uh, <laughs> so just just great delivery, great great content, great great demeanor. And you talk you talked about um, uh, Stan. Uh, I mean uh, Larry Munson. Uh, my father in law is a Clemson grad and, and lived in Atlanta for about forty five years, and he hated Munson is that right? because of all that we stuff, mm-hmm. right. we this, we that. And so I listened, and it's. It, it almost seemed like he, he, you know, he had a color guy, but the guy rarely ever spoke. Right. And one time I heard him, you know, pipe up like, you know, say, say Larry said that, you know, uh, uh, Jones made the tackle. And the guy said, uh, no, it was Smith. And you could just almost hear, uh, feel the glaring Larry Munson gave this color guy through the radio. <laughs> it was a very awkward silence for about five seconds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so you got you got to you got to appreciate some of those guys and how they do it. Yeah. And I've I've become to accept. I don't as much accept we from fans, mm-hmm. but I accepted we from radio people because they're paid spokesmen for the team. They're not supposed to be an independent yeah. ESPN or, or AP writer. Well, and certainly not anymore, Fletch. That's it. The new era. Uh, we own the era that we live now. We understand on team broadcasts who is the primary audience, who is the majority of your audience. Well, it's fans of that team, right? If you went back. Yeah, they're paying the advertisers' bills. That's it. And if you went back 40, 50 years ago, that wasn't the case. Many of the games, most of the games weren't on television. It wasn't widely broadcast on television. So, you know, a Jack Crystal came up broadcasting games where regardless of which team you were broadcasting on behalf of, you knew that there were many, many, many fans of other teams listening to you, depending on where they might live. So it was a different way of approaching it. And now, yeah, we understand. Look, you know, when Neil and I do it, we're doing the Mississippi State broadcast. We're not doing the broadcast for the opponent. And that's the way it is now. Yeah, and you can speak to your audience that's essentially paying your bills, but also be 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 critical 
when necessary without being demeaning. Yes, sure. That's right. That's right. Y'all have a good one. Stay safe. Yep. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Here we go. Team number 16 on the countdown. Let's do it. 100 teams. 100 days. The countdown is presented by Matt Anderson Properties, a member of National Land Realty. Call Matt Anderson at 408-5155. That's 408-5155. Matt Anderson with National Land Realty. Help you buy or sell that piece of property. He's got the 360-degree interactive drone touring. So, like, if you're thinking about buying a piece of property, he'll help you. You can see the property without ever even going out there. Timberland, farmland, hunting land, lakefront. If you're selling property, Matt will get you comprehensive internet traffic reports for your listing. Call him. Matt Anderson, 601-408-5155, 408-5155. Team number 16 on the countdown is... The sons of Notre Dame, sing the glory and sound the fame. Every one of y'all are singing. I know you are. picture Rudy Rudy out there getting his fanny whipped at football practice okay what about Notre Dame <laughs> now we're whispering they were 11 and 2 last year 12 and 1 the year before that played Georgia some recently but this year, they're an independent, obviously. So this year, they're an ACC team, basically. They're jumping into that ACC thing. They've got seven starters returning, including their quarterback, Ian Book, who was really good. 60%, 3,000 yards. Three thousand yards for Ian Book last year. 34 touchdowns, only six interceptions. A big reason why they were 11 and two. Five returning starters on defense, seven returning starters on the offense. Phil Steele says two years ago Notre Dame was his number one surprise team, and they delivered. They went 12-0, and made the playoff, got whipped. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Let's see. Last year the Irish did exactly as I expected, winning all 11 games as a favorite, lost to Georgia and Michigan as underdogs. So it just kind of played out the way it was, the way it is, the way it was. Now, the big news – is that Notre Dame is pausing practice at least one day amid the school's rise in positive coronavirus cases. And as I understand it, JB, they sent the students home, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And, and they, uh, they five tested positive. They had six more through tracing protocols. They found out that they have quarantined since then. So yeah. pause practice, no, no practice today, and then they will do another round of testing tomorrow. Okay. Uh, they've tested this week a total of 232 tests. Okay. Tests. They're, they're getting after it, aren't they? Funds are of no issue at Notre Dame. Do you know that? Oh, yeah. 
Any anytime you have touchdown Jesus, man. Mm-hmm. Can't go wrong with that. And gold helmets with real gold in it. Just sell a few helmets. Put them in. Take them to the pawn shop. They're too gold. Gold you... spray paint. Yeah, there's supposedly some real gold in there. That's the legend, anyway. Uh, Notre Dame's schedule. They're going to play on September 12th against Duke. In it'll be a home game. They'll play September 26th against Wake Forest on the road. They go a couple of weeks. They play Florida State uh, at home in October. They'll later host Louisville. Late October, back-to-back weeks, they host Pittsburgh and then go to Georgia Tech. The month of November for Notre Dame is hosting Clemson at Boston College, at North Carolina, and finish up the regular season by hosting Syracuse on December the 5th. Big finish here. Come on. I tell you what, I may bust out Rudy and watch that tonight. I may watch Rudy tonight. Anyway, that's Notre Dame. I like it. Would you... Would you be more apt to keep up with Notre Dame as an independent like they are or if they permanently were in the ACC? Hey, uh, JB, we're supposed to be in a break, aren't we? No, not yet. No, not still yet? we got, uh, okay. got about, about uh, four, five, about six seconds. We'll Here we go. Rolling. Countdown. Give us a countdown. Four, three. Three, two, <laughs> one. See ya. <laughs> 